We've got a new podcast that will help you get hockey smart. The Crosscheck Podcast, hosted by Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark, goes deeper into NHL stories than any other podcast with the help of the smartest minds on ice. Follow the Crosscheck Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the Locked On NHL podcast, your Tuesday edition of the show. Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres, Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs, calling us in from the road. Mike, how are you doing today? Yeah, a little bit of a different uh, different way of doing it today. I'm on my way home from work, and time just didn't really line up for us to do it, yeah. you know, with both of us doing it from our computers, so we said... Let's see if we can do it the old school way, the old talk radio way, where uh, <laughs> the reporter's on the road and uh, doing doing the hit, the the phoner from the car. So a little <laughs> different today. Have you have you done phone interviews with uh, sta- with radio stations uh, before? Yeah, not from actually. I did do it technically from my car once. I mm-hmm. wasn't driving in it. But I did a morning, the day after Babcock got fired, actually, I mm. did a, uh, a morning phoner with the Hamilton radio station to talk about it. But it was, a, it was the morning show, and it was like 7 o'clock, 7.15 or something like that was the hit. So my mm. roommate was still asleep. So I, I wanted to be courteous and, like, not wake him up in a small, crowded uh, apartment. So I actually went down into uh, the parking garage and sat in my car and did it from my car. <laughs> so. I um I don't know why. For some reason, I always feel like I have more confidence when I am on doing with the station via phone than as if I was like you know doing a, uh, a hit with guys I don't know, like sitting on my computer. I, maybe it's because you don't hear them clearly. There's some confidence there for that's hidden inside me. I don't know. Um, but I always prefer doing phone interviews for some reason, even though, you know, listener wise, like radio wise, producer wise, you you would you would want the the higher quality. But uh, yeah, we're doing it the old school way here today. Sound good on the way home from work. Um, yeah, we just couldn't get it lined up. We both had busy days. So we're going to do it this way for today's show. We Typically, if you've heard the, the the show enough, you know that on Tuesdays, we try to stay within the East Division and the North Division. We'll do just that on today's episode. We'll go through the Bruins Capital Series, the Penguins Islanders Series. Game two has just wrapped up, so we now know what that series is at, so ready to go for you, so you're up to date on that. And then we'll pick the North Division, which has not happened. It begins Wednesday night with the, the Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets. Thursday will be Toronto and Montreal, and we'll we'll pick those series uh, in in the letter half of today's show. I do want to run one thing by you, Mike, though, before we get into the East Division playoff series, and it's something I actually wrote about on my my radio station's website wgr550.com today. It's relating to the NBA's play in tournament, and I don't know. Do you, are you familiar with the format itself? For the playing tournament, I, yeah, like it's I I understand. There's also a lot of confusion uh, towards it, but essentially, yeah. for, I'm wrong. But 
seventh and eighth seed play, the winner gets seventh seed, and then the loser moves on and then get a chance to play for the eighth seed. And then the ninth and tenth seeds, winner moves on, loser goes home, and then the eighth seed is between the loser, wait, the winner of the nine ten and the loser of the seven eight. So it is a little confusing, but once you kind of break it down, it, it, it makes sense. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting little wrinkle that they've added into the playoffs. Uh, it, it, what, it was introduced last year, which makes sense. But the fact that they've kept it going and, and they're now making it a thing going forward, I thought was, was kind of interesting. Um, I thought it was just going to be kind of a, a specialty bubble type thing. Cause it didn't... Right. And I, the format itself, I love. Like, if it had just been 7 verse 10 and 8 verse 9 and the, the, the two winners go through, uh, I don't think I would have liked it as much. I like that it's kind of weighted towards the teams that had better regular seasons. It still provides value towards finishing in 7th or 8th because if you're in 7th or 8th, you got to lose two games to miss. And if you're a 9 or a 10, you got a chance, but you got to win both games to be able to get yeah. through. So I like the format a lot. Now, I actually think, and you could, you, I want to hear your opinion on this idea for hockey, for the NHL, and if this is something that they should adopt at some point in the future. I think it makes more sense for hockey because this year, the NBA actually got a little lucky that the Lakers dealt with their injuries with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and they tumbled down the standings to where they were the seventh seed. Also got a little lucky in that the Warriors did not have Klay Thompson back this season. So it's basically a solo act by Steph Curry. They're hanging down towards the bottom of the standings also. So they're getting LeBron versus Steph in one of these play-in games. But historically, the seven and eight seeds in the NBA are non-factors. This will be one of the first times. That, that'll be the first time maybe this happened in 10 years. The Lakers, by the way, funny enough, are still favored to win the Western Conference even though they're not even technically in the playoffs yet, which is amazing. And they'll be favored if they win, if they come out of this against a one seed Utah Jazz, a two seed Phoenix Suns. The Lakers will be favored. That's incredibly rare. I went back through to the year 2000. Through 2000, only four times a seven or an eight seed has won a playoff series in the NBA. That's it, just total playoff series wins by seven and eight seeds in a 21-year stretch. They have four playoff series wins. The NHL, for comparison, in that same time span, going back through 2000, 38 playoff series wins by seven or eight seeds, and that includes seven conference final appearances, five Stanley Cup final appearances, and then one Stanley Cup by the LA Kings as an eight seed in 2010. So, Mike, I'll pose it to you. Is it a good idea for the NHL? And I think my overall uh, reason for answering yes is I think in the NHL it actually matters who the 7 and 8 seed is. I don't think it matters in the NBA. Well, there's far more parity in the NHL than the NBA. I think we, we, we can all agree with that. The NBA, for the longest time, was like, okay, LeBron's going to be in the finals, and then, all right, who's going to meet him there? For a while, right. it was like this him there and then it was okay the Warriors are going to meet him there more recently there's been a little bit more parity I would say I guess um, with a couple other teams really starting to, to pick up but at the end of the day when it comes to the NHL I, I kind of lie in the middle in, in one 
retrospect, I hate, uh, or one aspect, I hate that it somewhat does water down the achievements of the regular season where you can finish seventh and eighth and, and kind of in a normal year would earn and book your spot into the playoffs, yet you still haven't done that quite yet and you need to go out there and still try and play for your playoff lives, even though you should have already had it wrapped up by then. So from that perspective, as a player, I feel like I would hate it. As a fan, I like it. And from a business perspective, you get those extra games, that's money. And when it comes to the NHL, they need to try and get money into the hands of these owners, into the hands of these players, into the league. They need more revenue because of the pandemic and and, and all that and how they just need to get themselves back up to uh, in the green so that the salary cap can go up. This is another way to add revenue. You add another few games and really just take the page from the from the playbook from Major League Baseball. You, the way that the NHL does it is the top three teams make it from each division, and then there's two wild cards. Well, now just make it four wild cards, and those have a little mini play-in the way that you're doing it in the NBA or the way that it's done basically in Major League Baseball. I think it makes a lot of sense, um, and I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, the NHL maybe bring this up. My only thing is it seems like Gary Bettman is very uh, – he doesn't like to change things a whole lot. You know, the integrity of the game to him and the integrity of the regular season seems to mean a lot to him. And, and you know, I, I think that's a good thing. Um, there's, there's not much tinkering done to, to the way the game is played or at least the, the way that the schedule is laid out. Um, and, and so for that reason, I, be, I, I don't believe we will see this, but – I think it would actually be a good thing for the game if they were to, to bring this in. Yeah. Yeah. The TV partners, your new TV partners, ESPN and TNT would love it. They would eat yeah, it exactly, up. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's a, I didn't even think about that. But if they were to kind of introduce this at the Board of Governors this year and try and implement it for next season when they do get all that new TV money with the new TV partnerships, that would be great. That would be absolutely fantastic. And they have a leg to stand on. So I think depending on how successful the NBA play-in tournament is going to be this year, I think we will uh, get a more of an understanding going forward. The only thing, though, is there was question marks about whether or not the NHL was going to keep the play-in tournament uh, that they had in the bubble last year, and they opted not to and go back to the traditional way of the playoffs where the NBA decided to keep it the play-in tournament. So I wonder if this conversation actually is already – came and gone for the NHL, and they've already dismissed it. But we'll see. Maybe new TV partners um, can put a little bug in the ear and get some more games. Right. Like, they could influence it. Because, right, if the NHL hasn't liked the idea, but now that they have this uh, the relationship with ESPN, ESPN is in bed with the NBA, and they're going to enjoy the fruits of their labors. But with seeing, you know, the Warriors and the, and the Lakers in this playing tournament, and if the NHL, if the ESPN at some point goes, hey, NHL, maybe something you want to think about. Like, we sold a bunch of ad revenue. Like, it's more money through the door because it gives you that game six and game seven feel. You know, that eight, nine game is like a game six because you, you have to win one of two games. So it's like you're up three, two in a series. And then it's a game seven feel for both the, the nine, ten matchup and then the, the winner versus loser matchup. So it would sell. 
for sure. Again, I, I think probably not, you know, um, but maybe it's something down the road that the league will consider, especially if it works out well uh, with the NBA. So let's let's talk about a couple of these series that are going on right now, though. Let's get to some on-the-ice stuff. Let's start with Bruins and Capitals before we get into the Penguins and the Islanders. We'll stick in the East Division here. The the Bruins, I think, have looked really strong. I think we both picked them, right, to come out of the East Division? Yeah, yeah. Um, they've looked awesome, I think. Now, the Capitals have looked really strong as well, and it's kind of been a pretty even matchup in my mind, just looking at the, the quality of the play on each side. Taylor Hall, big goal at the end of Game 2, sends it to overtime. Brad Marchand gets the overtime winner pretty early on. Um, and then Washington up front, I would say, has looked strong, but a lot of contra- controversy. I mean, question marks in net. Can- how far can they go? with 39-year-old Craig Anderson, who actually I think maybe even turned 40 today or turns 40 next week. Um, Mike, I mean, how I love Washington. I'm rooting for them in this series. I'm, I hate the Bruins at all costs every time they play. Um, I just don't know if they can win this series, though, with Anderson and that. Yeah, I mean, me either. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I saw that uh, Samsonov was cleared to come back to practice along with Kuznetsov, so... I wouldn't be shocked if, if they get him going pretty quickly and get him back into the lineup. Because you're right, they're they're not going to go that far if they're relying on on 40 year old Craig Anderson. Once upon a time, he was he, you know he made a nice run through the playoffs with the Ottawa Senators. He's no longer that goaltender. And I, I mean, when you're going up against a, a high caliber team like the Boston Bruins, that's going to be really tough. And man, how like just ugly has this series been like Mm -hmm. these two teams hate each other like there has been some really great games so far through these playoffs and this one like the Dan O'Chara going up against his former team and the Boston Bruins getting into it uh, with a couple of his former teammates and and, and like I I just this has been a probably the one matchup that I was most looking forward to and so far through two games it's definitely lived up to expectations yeah, I agree. The, the rough stuff. Tom Wilson sending a guy flying into the oh. bench. Brad Marchand with the nut shot. I mean, these two teams, right, like you said, they hate each other, and you've got villains kind of on both sides. So yeah. it makes it makes for some interesting drama. I'm supr- we'll see. There could be fireworks uh, even more so than we've seen so far uh, in that series. But, uh, but, gut, go ahead. If Marshawn, I know he never would do this, but if Marshawn and Tom Wilson – Drop the mitts. Who are you rooting for? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I would have to go with Wilson just because Marshawn's been doing it longer. You know, like, he's been jabbing at me a lot longer. He has been on – he's been doing st- that stuff on that team since literally – I could use this as a line. He's been doing it since the Sabres were in the playoffs because in 2010, the Sabres won the Northeast Division – and they played Boston in that first series, and a young Brad Marchand coming onto the scene, I mean, instantly became my least favorite player in the world. So I'll go with I'll go with I'd be rooting for Wilson just because I mean Marchand, I'm just I'm done. I'm so done with him. Not that I'm not done with Wilson, but um, you have to answer that question now. Who are you rooting for? <laughs> well, let's just have them both hit each other right in the kisser and collapse. <laughs> <laughs> not not nothing long term, no long term damage, but uh, right. have them both. Hit. Like pain on each other would be nice to see, but uh, 
in a real world, to, to be realistic, I mean, Tom Wilson would probably dummy Marchand, and I don't think he would ever, ever drop the mitt. He'll chirp at him. He'll, you know, give him some hacks and whacks with his stick, but he would be dumb to actually drop the mitt and fight Wilson because he, he'd be cratered, absolutely pulverized mm-hmm. into the end. Oh, no, you're right. Huge size advantage for Wilson. Like, he would absolutely would. Um, all right, and then let's go to Penguins and Islanders. Actually, real quick, gut feel on Boston-Washington. Are we sticking with Boston at this point? Yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with Boston. I think it's still going to go seven games, just like I anticipated yep. it to go. Um, but but I think Boston's going to pull it out. I, I really do. I You know, they've got the goaltending. They've got they've got the, the four depth now. Like, a guy like Jake Dubrovsky, who had a top, top season, He's picked it up, and he's scoring here in the playoffs, Nick Ritchie. Um, I think that their depth is finally coming through, something that they didn't see much through the regular season. You couple that with the perfection line. You got Taylor Hall and Krejci um, doing really well through the playoffs. The, the back end is a little bit bleak, but you know what? I think that Duke Rats masked a lot of that, um, and they played just a really good structured game. So at the end of the day, I think that there's just – they're a much more poised team than the Washington Capitals. Like, the Caps have a lot of issues. Like, off-ice, there's a lot of things that have been going on with that team. And Boston, they're just all business all the time. So, uh, I'm going to stick with the Bruins here in seven. I would agree. I would go Bruins in seven also with you. I think I originally had Bruins in six, but I would I would extend that game now that it's 1-1. Um, okay, Penguins and Islanders. Pittsburgh with a 2-1 win in game two, evens the series at one apiece. In that game, Jeff Carter gets his 40th career playoff goal. Been going at it a long time. He's been pretty good, I would say, for Pittsburgh so far. Better than I thought he would be. Um, he's keeping up. They escaped one because it was almost a real dummy moment Remember, that would have been remembered forever. Brian Rust, who actually scored also in this game, picks the puck up with his hand out of midair and just throws it out of the zone and puts Pittsburgh shorthanded with a minute 30. I mean, he would have been <laughs> crucified. What? what the hell was he thinking? I, I can't. It was a yeah brain fart, right? <laughs> that is that, like that is legitimately maybe if there you look up the term brain fart in a dictionary. There's a gif of Brian Rust tossing the puck up over the glass and then just sitting in the penalty box like I can't believe what I just did. And like, that and, is yeah. And spring, speaking of brain farts, I mean earlier in the game, the goal he scores on, I mean Semyon Varlamov, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> I love, I love, so like, terrible goal, seeing I shot, gotta have that for sure. But I love how after the puck goes in, I don't know if you got this, he like did a motion with his arm where he was like, but I meant to, I meant to grab it. And he like went, tried to like flash the glove where he thought he had put the glove. I don't know if you saw that, but I always find it yeah. funny. Well, like, don't make the save. And then they like go ahead and they like, no, but I wanted my hand to be here. Ah, Texas got to be here. I don't know. I thought it was hilarious, but that was a disgusting. To be honest, both of those goals weren't great that that Varlamov allowed, which is unfortunate because like that that was the game, right? Like the, those two goals were the game, um, but that one against Russ for sure, a ugly, ugly goal. And you think about the only one that they were able to score, the Islanders. Josh Bailey split a couple of Penns players and roofs it up over the shoulder uh, with his backhand. That was a beautiful goal. Right. 
No, yeah, you're right. And he, I mean, the two goals he let in were softies, and that's a shame because otherwise he played awesome. 43 out of 45 saves in totality. There were some big saves down the stretch in the third period that Varlamov made to keep them in it. Um, I I wonder, do you think they'll come back with him in game three or will they go back to Sorokin? They'll come back with Varlamov 100%. I was surprised that they went to Sorokin game one. Me too. Is there an injury going on there? You're more plugged in with that with the East Division than I am. I haven't been watching him. Not that I've seen. No, not 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 that I've seen. Um, although, let me double check right now. Uh, yeah, Var- actually, Varlamov was dealing with a day to day lower body injury going into Game One, yeah. so I missed that. I thought they w- I thought they went with Sorokin on just merit, and that's why I was surprised by it. But no, injury wise was why. I don't think that'd be merit. I mean, Varlamov's been a, a near investment caliber goaltender. Sorokin's been good. Don't get me wrong, but like Varlamov has been dynamite, and I was. I was very much surprised to see Sorokin in goal in game one. Um, mm. But it makes sense that, that there was an injury to Varlamov, and having him come back game two, allowed a couple of uh, tough goals to start, but really rebounded after that, unfortunately. Uh, got out-dueled on the other side by Tristan Jari, who had a really good bounce-back game, which he needed to have for, for the Pens. Definitely, because the way that, that goalie combo's been going all season – they very he could have got the hook real quick for uh, for Casey DeSmith. So, uh, how about that series? Gut feeling over the the course of the rest of it. I picked the Islanders to win that series. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go Islanders in seven, even now. All right, we're we're going to differ here. I'm I'm liking the Pens. I think the right. Pens will go win this one. I'm never a believer in the Islanders, and I always regret <laughs> it. But I'm going to stick uh, stick to brand here and go against the Islanders, but at the end of the day, man, how are you going to pick against Sidney Crosby? And, and the fact that they've been super competitive and, and I mean, it, it probably should have won game one. There was a couple of opportunities that they had that they just did very early on and allowed um, New York to kind of stay in the game. If Malkin comes back, I think it's over. Like, that's definitely going to be a, a series win for for Pittsburgh and either six or seven if Malkin returns next game. Mm. All right. Well, let's take a timeout here. We'll uh, get back to the East Division next week, and we'll preview the North Division coming up next. The North Division does not get going until Wednesday night. Winnipeg and Edmonton, game one. We'll kick off that side as we got to get the Canucks and Flames in. We're not going to cover the Canucks and Flames, by the way. When we say North Division preview, (laughs) I am not talking about Flames-Canucks games at the end of the regular season that that are weirdly even still going on. Um, Hey, I could be down for an hour. We could spend all the show talking about the Canucks-Flames game 55. Let's do it. (laughs) Um, All right, well, we'll come back, and we'll talk North Division playoffs when we come back. Jody Biasi, Mike DiStefano from Lockdown Sabres and Lockdown Leafs here on the Lockdown NHL Podcast. RockAuto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, 
and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. A word for bet online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but you got the NBA, college hoops, the NHL, all in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. For the Sabre games, you could bet on the exact amount of which either the Sabres or their opponent will win by. So if you think the Sabres are going to win by exactly two, you can find odds for the Sabres winning by exactly two. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. The best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag is the site. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Remember to use the promo code Locked on. Welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast with Joe DiBiase and Mike DiStefano. You can find me on Twitter at Sneaky Joe Sports. You can find Mike on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck and the podcast account at Locked On NHL Pods. Let's get to the North Division. Our partners over at betonline.ag got odds up for those series. Edmonton, Winnipeg. Edmonton is a minus 175 favorite over the Jets. And then Toronto and Montreal, the Leafs, are a minus 335 favorite. That's an enormous favorite. I think among all the series, if I'm remembering correctly, because these other series odds would be affected by the games that have already happened. If I remember correctly, only Colorado topped Toronto. I think Colorado was minus 400 to win their series, and Toronto was pretty close to that, but a little bit further down at minus 335. That's, by the way, is an, if you're not super familiar with how odds work, minus 335 is an implied probability of 77%. So Bet Online thinks the Leafs have a 77% chance of winning this series. So let's start there. Let's start with, start with your Maple Leafs. Jack Campbell, it looks like, is going to start game one. I don't think that was much of a surprise, but maybe there was some doubt. So just, just to throw that out there for everybody to make sure you know, Campbell is in net. Carey Price will be in net for Montreal. He got his little warm-up. With the Laval Rockets in the AHL, he should be good to go for game one. So it's Campbell versus Price, Leafs versus Canadiens. Who are you picking in this series and in how many games? Because I think I know who you're picking. Yeah. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come on. How many games? It, it, how many it, games have the Leafs winning then? It's a sweep. This is going to be a sweep. This will probably be the only sweep we see in the playoff this year. I truly, truly believe that. There's a lot of parity in the NHL, and I think that it, there's going to be a lot of really good matchups throughout the entire playoffs, the way that the, the playoffs work this year. But this one is not close at all. I think, uh, I mean, I guess Colorado St. Louis also has an opportunity for that, I, I, I would say. Uh, but this one for sure. I, Toronto's going to absolutely mop the floor with the Montreal Canadiens. They just can't keep up. Toronto, they've got good goaltending in Jack Campbell. This is not a surprise. You're, you're right when you say that, you know, Toronto is not surprised. Maybe others are. But this guy has been a Vesna-like goalie all season long. I think he finished the year 17-3-2 with like a 9-20 save percentage, 215 goals against, a couple shutouts. He has been the number one goalie for this team. So if you're saying, wow, no Freddie Anderson, 
you clearly haven't been watching the Toronto Maple Leafs this year because he has been the savior. And then yeah. that, I haven't even mentioned Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner yet. Like, these are two of the best players in the NHL on a line together, and they just create magic when they're out there on the ice. Listen, I understand. It's Carey Price. He can steal a game and steal a series. But he – sorry, let me rephrase that. It's Carey Price. He at one point was able to steal games. At one point was able to steal a series. He can't do that anymore. He hasn't been that Carey Price in a very long time. He played okay last year in the bubble, but he hasn't played well this season. He's arguably been the second-best goalie in Montreal. So, honestly, I think this is going to be a sweep with ease. And Toronto, what they've done this year to change the identity of this team, bringing in guys like Joe Thornton, bringing in a Zach Bogosian, a, a Wayne Simmons, trading for Nick Foligno. They brought in that playoff toughness-type attitude, this veteranness uh, to the team, and I think that's going to help these youngsters. And they're all going to kind of pull together, and there's so much cohesion and synergy within this team, within this organization, that I think that they're primed for a very long playoff run, and it's going to start with a quick four-game sweep of the Montreal Canadiens. I think you're largely right. I think I would I would completely agree. I don't think Carey Price can steal a series at this point in his career. I think he can steal a game, and that's why I would probably go. I would definitely go here. Leafs in five as opposed to to your sweep, but I would not be surprised at all if it is a sweep um, because right. Price has Price has not been himself this season. And well, like you said, like maybe he has been himself because he hasn't had an elite save percentage or really an elite entire season since 2017. Like it's been a while. Um, now, say, maybe – go ahead. Like, you can't say healthy. That, I think that's the biggest problem. He hasn't been 100% healthy since, what, maybe Sochi? Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. <laughs> really. Like, since he won the, the, the Vesna and, and, like, the Heart and, like, that year where he was the best goaltender on the planet, maybe the best hockey player on the planet, he has not been like that ever since. And he just has to be able to stay healthy. Like, that that's one of the issues. And – Health, I think, is going to be a big factor in this series as well. Like, let alone, like, Terry Price, he hasn't played in a, like, month, I think. Um, he got into one AHL game last night uh, where pretty sure he also got split up and lost to, like, the Marlies, so that's not a good sign. Uh, but also, like, Brendan Gallagher hasn't played in six weeks with a broken thumb. He's going to come out. Uh, Shea Weber's not 100%. He's banged up. So there's injuries. Granted, there are injuries to Toronto, too. But you take a look at those three players I mentioned. Like, those are three massive, massive injuries. If they're not at 100%, I don't think Montreal stands much of a chance. Right. Um, I just want to also throw this out here, that Price has had a very strange season in that he's 16th in the NHL in 5-on-5 save percentage, but his save percentage shorthanded is 40th in the NHL. So I don't know what that says. Maybe it says a lot about Montreal's penalty kill. Maybe that says a lot about price on the penalty kill. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that he kind of had a middle of the road safe percentage at five on five and was one of the worst in the league when, uh, when Montreal was at five on four and Toronto's power play. I mean, don't take penalties. If you're the Canadians or your shot. Um, wow. So funny you say that because Toronto's power play has been awful. Oh, um, really? Really? God, if, so, yeah, like, if you haven't been paying attention to what's been happening up here in Canada, 
Toronto's power play has been disgusting. Like, legitimately, I'm driving, so I can't look up the stat right now, but something like, they're like a plus two or three in special teams. When they're on the man advantage over the course of the last, like, two months. Like, legitimately, they may have, like, four or five power play goals in the last two months, but they've allowed three short-handed goals. Okay. Like, it is – Toronto, for them to win, they're better off playing at five-on-five. Five. So, it's interesting that Carey Price has a, has an abysmal um, save percentage when it went at five-on-four. So, yeah. we'll see which of the two levies are going to break there because they're both pretty bad. But I guess one is going to have to break, right? Either Toronto's yeah. not going to score. And Price is going to have a good five-on-four save percentage, or vice versa. Toronto's going to light it up on the power play, and then Carey Price is going to keep uh, keep being awful. The other thing, too, I don't know if you saw this, or if you've really paid attention, but your boy, American, Cole Caulfield, is not going to play game one. For what reason? I don't know. They're trying to put like veterans in the lineup. So Kakaniemi. Uh, Cole Caulfield and Alexander Romanov all scratched for game one. How do you feel about that? I hate it. I, I think what they're tr- what it feels like they're trying to do, especially the guys that are going in. Um, I think I saw Michael Frolik maybe is going in, or no, Paul Byron is going in uh, for Caulfield. And then Lekkanen, Evans, like I, Corey Perry. <sighs> Maybe he's been more staple of the lineup than I than I think, but I know early in the year he wasn't. I, I hate weak. I hate the the strategy of well, we're not as talented as them, so let's just go put a bunch of two way grinder types on our third and fourth lines and second line even like and let's build our team that way. We're gonna out muscle them. We're gonna we're gonna out physical them. You know I hate that. Like even though you're not gonna be the most talented team on the ice. I mean, you're playing the Maple Leafs. You need to score goals in this series. You need to have. You need to get as much of that firepower in there as you can. And a couple of young guys, and one that's played, I think, pretty well so far in Cole Caulfield. Um, at least shooting the puck, he looks he looks great to me as a threat. Uh, I would throw as much talent, as much offensive firepower in that lineup as I could, and just and hope hope for the best. Um, so I disagree completely with what Montreal's doing with their young guys here, Cockney and Yemi and. and and Paul Mary, or not Paul Mary, Caulfield. Did you also see that um, if this gets to a game six, which both you and I are not predicting, you will, but if this gets to a game six, the uh, Montreal Premier or the Quebec Premier, which we call our like leaders, which would be like mm-hmm. in America, you got your state senators or whatever, um, governors, um, we call them premiers, but he came out today and said that as of May 28th, he's opening up. Um, he's opening things up, right? So mm-hmm. up to 500 fans will be able to be in attendance at the Bell Center if the Montreal Canadiens can get it to a game six at the Bell Center. So that's another little bit of added pressure for Toronto, I think. Make sure that doesn't happen. But vice versa, maybe that gives Montreal a little bit of kick in the pants. Says, hey, let's try and, like, we got to do whatever we can, scrap, claw, get ourselves to game six and have at least one game with fans in the stands and in our own building. 
that's a, another narrative and storyline that I'm excited for with the series. Yeah, yeah, that's a good good point. I, I do want to throw one more question at you in the series, and then we'll get to Winnipeg, Edmonton. I promise. Um, it's it's almost for sure not going to happen. Implied odds. I told you seventy seven percent in Toronto's favor, but I got to ask it. I just because I, I, of my own curiosity, and I'm sure listeners might be curious too. If they lose this series to the Canadians, what happens? Who does someone get fired? Does someone get traded? Like what happens if they get upset here and they lose in the first round for a fifth consecutive year? Honestly, I, there's not much that can happen. Like, it'll be a massive disappointment, don't get me wrong. But I think you take a look at, at this team, and, like, they're on the right path. Dubas is building the team correctly. Sheldon Keith has been a really good coach. He's really only been here for a year and a half. So are you going to move on from him that quickly? Probably not. You're not going to trade away any of your superstars. Like, you're not going to move on from Matthews. You're not going to move on from Marner or Nylander. Like, John Tavares is your captain and, and has a no-move clause, so he's not going anywhere. Maybe they, they make an attempt to, you know, we got Morgan Riley up for up for uh, a contract renewal after next season. So maybe they try and move him and, or get themselves like a, a top-flight goaltender. But honestly, I, I've had this question asked to me a couple times, and I've heard people talk about it. And, and, and there's been this assumption that the Maple Leafs are going to tear it down or heads are going to roll. I just don't see it. I don't see that happening. I know it would be a massive disappointment if they don't win this series. To me, it's a massive disappointment if they don't make it out of the Canadian division and into the Final Four. But even if they don't, the process is working. Eventually, they'll burst through. And I think that they need a little bit more of a runway with the, with the core and the, and the front office and the coaching staff that they have. And I think it would be a massive mistake to start firing people so hastily if they lose this series. Yeah. All right. Uh, I like it. I had to ask it just because just, just, it could happen. It's probably not going to happen, but it could happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we run out of time here, let's get to Winnipeg and, and, um, and Edmonton here. The Jets limping in to the postseason. McDavid, meanwhile, like a fighter jet screaming into the postseason. Uh, the the odds in this series, as I mentioned earlier, the Oilers are minus one seventy five in this series. That's an implied uh, implied probability of sixty three percent to win this series. So a bit of a favorite. Um, I think that's right. I think that's deserved because of the way the Jets have looked coming into the series. I would go Oilers in seven, though. I think the Jets are still a very talented unit. I think they'll get it together a little bit here in the playoffs. Connor Hellebuck. I still trust more so in net than Mike Smith, even though Mike Smith is having a very good year. I, I was looking at that five-on-five save percentage list earlier to look where Carey Price was, and Mike Smith has been right there hovering around 10th um, really all season every time I've looked at that list. So he's had a strong yeah. year, but still, I trust Hellebuck more. And then I'm going McD- – tiebreaker goes to the best player in the world with Connor McDavid. So I'm going Oilers in seven. That's a completely fair tiebreaker, I would say. Um, you know what, early on, before I really dug into the stats, I, I kind of blindly was siding with Winnipeg. I, Winnipeg, to me, is a much deeper team. They have a better goaltender, Connor Hellebuck. Goaltending usually wins out in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and, you know, you couple that with the depth that is on that team. They've got so much firepower. I think they have four lines that they can roll. It's usually a really good pairing 
for a playoff series. And then I dove a little bit into what the matchup was throughout the season this year. Edmonton owned Winnipeg. Connor McDavid owned Connor Hellebuck. Mike Smith was like Carey Price in Sochi good. He was 4-0 with like a 176 goals against like a 960 save percentage against the against uh, the Jets this year. Edmonton was fantastic against Winnipeg this season. So I'm going to assume that that is only going to continue. And when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on a team, you got Darnell Nurse and, and Tyson Berry playing really well on the back end. And Mike Smith, if he can keep up his strong play, yeah, I think this is going to be Edmonton's series to win. So for myself, I'm going to go Oilers. I, I'm going to say six, to be honest with you. Six games. All right. I like it. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us on today's show. Thanks everybody for listening again. If you want to check us out on Twitter, I'm at sneaky Joe sports. Mike is at Mickey underscore Canuck. If you want more on the Leafs Canadian series, check Mike out on locked on Leafs. You don't need to go find out what we're doing on locked on Sabres. I mean, just it, it could only depress you. Um, Eichel trade stuff. I'm sure you can, you, you'll, you'll understand. Um, but again, more on Habs and Leafs from Mike at Locked On Leafs. I'll be back on Friday talking, I'm sure, plenty about the Oilers series with Tom Gazzola, who covers the Oilers out in Edmonton. He's my Friday co host on this podcast. So we'll talk plenty about that series, uh, and more in depth on Friday. Um, and I think we'll be, we'll probably be recording Friday morning. So we'll only have one game through. Uh, to that point. So uh, thanks everybody for listening and talk to you Friday here on the Lockdown NHL podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.